Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McLean. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am indeed your host, Jim McLean, the editor-in-chief of the Banderflix Movie Review website. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, We Need to Talk About Movies. If you've been listening to us for a while, then thank you for continuing to check in and listen to the show. If, however, this is your first time checking out the pod, then welcome to the madness, dear listener. You might be wondering right now what this podcast is all about. You might be wondering who the hell are Banterflix? Well, allow me to answer those questions for you as best I can. Banterflix is a Northern Irish-based film review website. We have our own TV show on NVTV here in Belfast, and we regularly run events in the city. Remember events? Hopefully we'll be able to get back to doing those pretty soon. But for our podcast, the content we create is quite eclectic and uh, we try our best to cover a little bit of everything. We do, of course, talk about new releases. We talk about cult classics. We have a monthly series devoted to talking about old Disney movies. We have a monthly series devoted to talking about real-life serial killer movies, if that floats your boat. We also have a monthly series of podcasts where we talk to cosplayers and talk about the movies that have inspired them to get into cosplay. It's one of our newest features, and I have to say it's a lot of fun. It's proved already to be really popular. And yeah, we try to have a bit of everything. We do have special guests from time to time. We do do spoiler specials. You know, there's a bit there for everyone, and uh, hopefully you enjoy. If this is your first time listening to the pod and you enjoy what you listen to, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and fix to make sure you never miss an episode. And you might even want to check out our website www.banderflix.com because there you'll find not only the back catalogue of this podcast but also our aforementioned TV show on NVTV. So I think that's enough of me trying to sell our wares. I think we'll get stuck into this week's podcast. This week we're going to be talking about Coming to America which has recently landed on Amazon Prime here in the UK and I thought I'd gather together the members of The Sixth Sense, a Northern Irish comedy troupe. They've been on this pod before, and if you've listened to them before, you'll know to expect some choice language, but it's all just a bit of fun. The episode is roughly about an hour and 40 minutes in length. We talk quite a bit, unsurprisingly, about coming to America. We also talk about John Landis's 1988 original. And the guys and I also talk about Eddie Murphy as a performer, not just on the big screen, but also as a stand-up comedian. So... It's a lot of fun. I genuinely really enjoyed this episode and hopefully you'll enjoy listening to it too. Before you hear my chat with The Sixth Sense about the film, let's play a clip of Coming to America. General Izzy, what a totally unexpected surprise. King Akeem, I have come to give you congratulations for locating one of your lost spurs. I too wonder about my own stray bullets. <laughs> Thank you for your kind words. So that's a clip of Coming to America, which is available on Amazon Prime now. And I'm joined by a group of lads that we haven't had on together for quite some time. We know they're a group of sickos. And we were just talking before this recording began that it's almost a year since I had the pleasure of their company. And after reminiscing on that, I think a year is just not long enough. 
but I am joined by Andy, Bill, Stephen, Chris, aka Cax, from the Sixth Sense. So, hello to you all, gentlemen. What up? Evening, sir. Hello. How are you, Jim? I'm good. That was very middle class Protestant voice there, Stephen. No, Barrett. Just, I was, I was uh, doing my full Paddy Ralph on there. Oh, uh, <laughs> Stephen, you'll be, getting your, you'll be getting I'm your like, TV show now on BBC. But, Stephen, can you do as many characters as Paddy Ralph? Oh, no, I'm not that talented, mate. Uh, those characters? <laughs> There's something. There you go. But anyway, gentlemen, we're going to be here. We're going to be talking about Coming to America, the sequel that uh, has been long muted for quite a long time to the John Landis 1988, if I'm right, original, uh, starring uh, Arsenio Hall, Eddie Murphy and Cohen, both of them in quite a few roles. And uh, Bill, I'm going to come to you as someone who's been on this pod the most. Tell our listeners and our viewers as well, because we are doing these as video uh, pods as well now. Give them as much as you think they need to know about Coming to America. Not the original, this the sequel. It's just out. Uh, basically, Sandra Bullock gets on this bus. <laughs> and... No. No, no, not no, that one. No, wrong, wrong. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, no, Kia, Wins- Kia Winslet, uh, no, she lies on the sofa, no. and Leo, uh, no, not, even, not even close. Not Bell, the right one. Bill, the first film you were thinking about uh, there was Luke the bus. Skywalker is in the X. No, no, no. the wrong one. No, the the, right, fil- so, the first right, film you were thinking right, about, right, Bill. Seriously, the first film you were talking about there was the bus that wouldn't slow down. Not. The bus that wouldn't stop. Yeah. That's um, a great name, man. That was a better. It name. is. Yeah. Um, all right. So you've got. Basically, 33 years have passed. Prince Akeem is living happily, happily in uh, Zamunda with his bride um, and his three lovely daughters. And essentially, the king is dying. And Eddie Murphy needs to find an heir. And it turns out that he does actually have a son mm. in Queens. Yeah. So he has to go and try and get that. The son, because if he doesn't, then Wesley Snipes, uh, he's gonna come and start a war and take over. And Wesley Snipes is the general in the the is it the city of next next Doria or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's uh it's one of those kind of quest films. Um we also get a wee bit of a fish out of water, the reverse side of that. We also get a bit of um you know, bit of what it's like to get older and stuff as well. Uh, it is a comedy, <laughs> so uh, yeah, go watch it. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add as a caveat to what you said there, to all your various introductions, to all the films we're talking about, or all the films you've mentioned, there is the key thing is that he needs to find a male heir. That, yes, that's because he needs to find a male heir. Rather that's... than a female heir, because that's that's the way to do it in uh, Zamunda. So, uh, yes, on his pretty much on his deathbed, King Joffrey says, "Look, you need to find." And it's like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, and don't go look into Wakanda either. You know, don't <laughs> no. You know, there there is a lot of jokes there. So I think we'll kind of go round the room here. We've all seen this, uh, and I'll start with you first. I'll start with Cax first. So, Cax, generally, without getting too much into spoilers or into too much specific specifics about the plot, generally, what was your thoughts about watching the film? 
Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it was a look. It's a nice wee trip down nostalgia lane, and if, like if if, if I had the bullet point at double bed, uh, there's not really much more to go on. Like I'm, I'm obviously we're not going to do spoilers here for the listeners and whatnot, but um, it was just hey, look, there's uh, Prince Akeem and there's Sammy Baggett and that's awesome. And there, there's the fucking, there's the castle from uh, Zamunda and all this is style. Oh, the one over the Paramount sign in the Zamunda again, that's awesome. And you had uh, Lady Blacksmith Mombasa and all the start. And it's like, oh, this is, this is, isn't this nice? And then slowly but surely you realize, oh, I forgot the jokes. Fuck. So uh, that was kind of, for me, man, it was kind of the running, that was, to me, the running joke throughout the film was that I forgot the pun the comedy. A lot of heart, no comedy. Uh, so it just, with the whole, um, the mailer, come on, oh, you have to get the kids in here. It just, it, the whole thing stank to me of what happened with Zoolander, what happened with, uh, basically, the, the, any long-awaited sequels that put the kids in. Uh, I'm not, now I'm fearful for this Ghostbusters movie because let's put the kids in. And I think that's it's it's a sure sign for a failure at the minute, man, which uh, doesn't bode well. So th- this, this to me was that, that down that line, what happened with Zoolander, what happened with Anchorman, and movies they got where oh they had a kid, Dumb and Dumber was not a good example of it. Oh, he has a kid, and it uh, never works out well. And uh, as soon as you find out the plot, and then Jones had informed me recently that it wasn't going to be a teens. Not that most movies are a teens these days, but it was PG thirteen. You're like, oh dear. And that was it, man. So uh, without rambling too much, that's it. Didn't really. That was just a big nostalgia trip, and that's pretty much all it was for me. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you said. You know, it did feel like a much more child friendly. Mm. You know, compared to when you think of the first one, the first one had Edge, and I think. Oh yeah. The one thing I would say, and I guess we're going to come back to this. You know, we're all in this pod right now. We're you know the five of us here. We're all five white guys. You know. And I said this about Black Panther, and I'm going to be very careful, as careful as it can be. I think looking back, because I was reading a thing in the BBC news website about the first coming to America, coming to America, where it was described as a black fairy tale. And you're like, yeah, OK. And I suppose, you know, you know, people of all color and race want to see them represented on screen. And I guess that's why a film like Coming to America was so important back then. And you can see that legacy of the amount of people they have got involved and a lot of cameos we have uh you know well I'll throw a few out here we have trevor noah we have I think john legends there in the trailer in the the post credits we have morgan freeman we have, is it um gladys knight as well i don't want to wreck I, I think that's the bulk of the big ones that yeah. i kind of got but um there's a lot of goodwill towards this but i would i think you've hit the nail on the head for me cax i didn't find it funny enough i didn't find it sharp enough and i always come back to that argument when you've had so long to work on a project a project like this the jokes have to be there and you've raised a really good point about comedy sequels and i will come back to that but before we do i'll come to you Stephen. you know what are you kind of going to be more positive are you going to be more negative are you in a similar kind of boat to more negative more negative man it was a massive disappointment i just didn't like it at all um, the the thing that is, you know, again, Craig totally a cax just felt like, hey, look at this part. No, look, there's another character coming back, and it just felt like one of those shows, um, where it was like, look, this isn't a film, guys. There's no story. The storyline is as weak 
as I've ever seen a storyline. It was very, I think it was very lazily written as well. And it just, it you know, you were saying about, you know, the black version, it felt like, a, it felt like you know, an Adam Sandler type movie, you know, the late Adam Sandler type movies of, let's hear, I've got my kids here and I've got this. It just felt, this isn't the Eddie Murphy again, I suppose, it's like, you know, he's got older and it's it's all that there, but it's not, it didn't have the edge of an Eddie Murphy movie. And the thing about Coming to America, the original, was there was a great story. You know, it doesn't need to be, they, they were trying to do a gag a minute that, that fell flat in its ass. But sometimes you can watch a comedy movie, it doesn't need to be laughing a minute every two seconds. And, and, and to be honest with you, how many dance sequences were in this fucking movie? I mean, it was like every two minutes, it was a dance sequence. It was like to do the dance every time you just walk into that room. So, call it afternoon back to choreograph or something. What was going on? It was just constant on it. So, you know, and even like the barbershop, but was a disappointment to me. Um, the Leslie Jones bits uh, that was the only part I kind of laughed at, it was really laughed at, was the Leslie Jones bit with the beavers. And your guy came up between her legs, and I thought that was kind of kind of I sort of raised the smile. But but did you not did you not think it was signposted though? Oh no, I absolutely. Mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean I think I, th- I think yeah. you're right. There's there's there wasn't that many jokes in. Well, not really many that that, that were really f- sort of belly laughs, and when they were, they were signposted. You could see yeah. them coming. Even the even and again, I don't want to. The spoiler, you know, it's the, the find the male, the male heir. I, I called the, the movie within the first 15 minutes. So I was like, well, I know what's going to happen, you know, it's uh, and, and how it ended. But it just, it, it almost like, and it happened. So again, the the resolvement of the resolve of what happened, or it's not the word. Anyway, how it was all resolved was kind of like, oh, well, here, by the way, here it is, it's happened, and, and here it is, and by the way, here's sexual chocolate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I loved. I had, I had a smile on my face when we you know we seen Randy Watson. I was fucking delighted about that. But and an Elvis onesie too. Was, <laughs> and an Elvis onesie. <laughs> <laughs> See, that got me. That was brilliant. I loved that ending, and it kind of was like yes. But again, it, it was more of a. It wasn't. I don't. It, again, I don't count this as a movie. I count this as guys. It's just we're going to see all the people you wanted to see from the first film. It felt like a TV special, you know. It was like here they are. Sorry, I, I'm going on them. <laughs> but but Stephen, did you not tear up when a certain elephant character popped up again, and you were like, Bye-bye. oh yeah, you just <laughs> like that gets you in the feels. I I think you're you're right. I can I it, this is a bad pod because I'm not really disagreeing with you. I come back to I think the jokes aren't sharp enough, but I think it does have its heart in the right place. And I think there's been a will to get it made. I just think they haven't went back and kind of looked back and said, right, I suppose it's that there's that there's that thing where you can't really get away with half the stuff that you did. Because let's be honest, right? Let's hold our hands up here and say you look back at Eddie Murphy's like delirious stand-up routine. Oh now in a 2020 21 audience. You've got to sit there and just go, whoa! I, you know, I was I was listening to uh, I bought the Adam Buxton audiobook, and he's talking about that. And he's talking about how much he loved Eddie Murphy. And he's like, just a couple of years ago, he put it on, and he was like, whoa! You know, no, hang I- on, you can't 
you just couldn't get away with that now. So I get there's a sense that you have to soften the sharpness, but, but I, go on ahead, Stephen. Sorry, no, it's I, I get what you're saying, man. But what I, again, I go back to story. The story was lazily done. It was, it, you know, the, the coming to America. I don't remember too many things. I went, oh, you know, I've watched it. How many times I've watched that movie? And no, man, I just think it's to do with it. The, the writing was kind of like, let's just do that. Let's make a few quid. People love nostalgia. Let's just do this. That's that to me was the biggest. That's how did, why I'm really disappointed because this felt like it really was. They didn't try. Yeah, well, I think the thing is, I think wasn't this originally? I think Eddie Murphy was planning to create a stage play or a musical of the yeah. original coming to me. So that makes sense why there's so many musical segments mm-hmm. in there that have been put in. Um, I didn't have an issue with them, but it did, it did feel like it was just filler. Yeah. Know, and stretching it out. But uh, we'll come back to that. Jones, what about you? You know, where are you going to weigh in? You know, I know you're someone who is a massive Eddie Murphy fan, and I know you were looking forward to this. So are you going to be the same with Cax and Stephen here? Yeah, I think so, man. Like, I actually, I, so I watched it the first day I came out. When was that last Friday? Um, and I re-watched it again today. Just to kind of, you know, see if I enjoy it anymore. Yeah, you guys are right. Like, the, the jokes weren't there. Um, some of them look, they look great. You know, like, they don't look like they've aged 33 years. Since things so that's a positive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, they even tried to get Eric LaSalle back in, and he went, Nah, mate, like he's just like, Nah, he, he might probably read the script and went, Nah, not for me. Like, so he never came back, and then Samuel L. Jackson, who was supposed to come back, and he was too busy to come back as well. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I didn't particularly warm to the any of the scenes with. Eddie's son, you know what I mean? I didn't really feel for him at all. I was just like, he was just, I don't know, he, he kind of bored me a little bit. And then he was crying about stuff. And you're like, come on, dude, this is supposed to be a comedy. Like, stop the yapping, get on with it. Like, so I didn't really dig that guy. Um, the funniest bits for me, I thought there was a few good lines in the barbershop, whenever you've seen the barbershop uh, buys again. And some of the facial reactions that Eddie made throughout a few scenes. So clearly that wasn't story. That was just, you know, facial reactions. That's just reacting to a line or something that's happening. So if that's where you're getting the funniest bits, clearly the writing's wrong. You know what I mean? There's not enough jokes in there. If you're, for me, I was laughing more at his reactions to things because Eddie, and he never even done the luck to camera, which I was hoping for. Oh, he did. He, he did, did. once. He did, and he once. he did it. But again, it was a no. The th- weird about thing about it, it was a it was a callback yeah. because it, yeah. it's near the end, and it's kind of a similar incident to when he looks the camera in the first coming to America, and he does it again, and you're like, okay, yeah. I do want to. There's a thing I want to talk about with Eddie Murphy, and I think it might be a similar kind of conversation that we went down when we talked about Steve Martin, because you are going back, okay. I mentioned that there's stuff about like some of Eddie Murphy's early stand-up routine that you just wouldn't do now, but there's a, a performer that is electric and you just want to watch him. Whilst now in 2021, you might not necessarily say, oh, he, this is uncomfortable. You would not be able to talk about 
homosexuality and HIV now than when you would back in the back in the 80s. But he is an electrifying, energetic performer. And I want to come back to that because there is a thing about that I do want to discuss. But Bill, we haven't had a chance to hear your thoughts. And I know from talking to you on the messenger, you seem to be the most positive here. You might be the person where we might spark a little bit of, you know, proper arguments here in this pod. It's a dark day if I have to come and uh, <laughs> save it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, that's that's one of the harbingers of uh, the apocalypse, that I think. Uh, look, I'm not going to say it's the greatest comedy ever, because it isn't, right? All I know is, as a viewer, just sitting down in the living room and watching it, especially during this shitty lockdown time, I fucking enjoy i really enjoyed it i thought i mean you guys are saying that there wasn't jokes and stuff in there well i, I was laughing now whether it's i was laughing because you know there was something on screen or maybe there's a slow gas leak in the house i don't know that's up for the audience to decide but um listen i think Cax, you nailed it on the head all these it's essentially all these remakes or not remakes, all these sequels coming out way after way after the time. Um it's a similar thing that kind of happened with Star Wars. <laughs> Here we go again. He's gonna bring yeah. he's, he's going there. He's going there. Remember when Force Awakens came out? <laughs> Who said all this stuff when Force Awakens came out? This guy, I did, right? And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. How long did you have Jones? 20 minutes? <laughs> 20 minutes in. All these films have something common, and that is they're not for us, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the thing. This, this film, its, it's target audience isn't us. I, I'm I sorry know. to break it to people. I'm sorry to break it to people. It's not for us, right? I, I would I'll tell you I would... why. I'll tell you why. Okay. Oh, here we go. oh we know the you main... we know you're gonna tell us why, Bill. You're not gonna stop. Yeah. You're on a roll now. I know the main the main character in that film is not Prince Akeem. The main character in that film is his son. That's why. And I, I figured this out really quickly on into the film, and I think that's maybe why I enjoyed it. Is that I made I made my peace with this isn't about Eddie Murphy's character. The whole purpose of films is we watch a character, they have a problem or predicament, they go through some sort of journey to try and resolve it, and then they find what they were looking for at the end. To be honest, Akeem got his journey in the first film. This film isn't necessarily Akeem's journey. Yes, he does yeah. go as a person, but not, you know, he's he's like in his 40s and his 50s. He ain't going to grow that much. So it's not his film. It's not his story. It's the son's story. And I really enjoyed I See, when you look at it from that point of view, I really enjoyed it. Can I add one caveat yeah. to that? Because absolutely, the thing I found, and it was one thing I, I did note when I was watching it, the Akeem that we see in this film seems like such a different Akeem that we saw at the yeah. end. And, and they, yeah, make the, they make the reference, and you're kind of going, okay, have they just written... Akeem in this way just to suit the narrative? Because well, no, the it's again, that's one of the things that's one of the things we find out as we grow up 
and that is we try our damnedest. I, I don't know about you, Stevie, but you're you're you probably you'll probably agree. We try our damnedest to do things differently than our parents did. We do as as parents, we do we try to do things differently, and then you realize as time goes on that. You've done things, you might have done things differently, but you've turned into the same person that your parents turned into. <laughs> I no. find that, I find that a lot. I find no, that I, a lot. I, so I say things to my, I say things in the house that my dad or my mom would have said. And it's like, and I think that's, that's what's happened here. That's, Akeem has turned into his dad, mm, essentially. Yeah. Because, and again, whether it's lazy writing or whether it's just a mechanism to get in, spoiler alert and all that sort of stuff. But the simple answer to get an air, you know, it just comes, it's just, it's literally just right there. It's like, you're the king. You married a commoner when it was illegal because your dad changed the rules. Yeah. Can you not do, can you not do the same? And, you yeah. Know, yeah, I get that. that really early on. I get really that. Really early on. And I know they make a reference to the fact because the actress who played Akeem's mother has, has sadly passed away and thankfully they didn't try to recast that role. They acknowledge that she's passed and I think that becomes later on a, a big kind of plot point without going too spoilerific and kind of saying, like, what would your mother have said in all this? Yeah. I, I do have issues in the fact, and there's a couple of things I want to pick up, Bill, on what you said, then I'll throw it out to the rest of you guys. Uh, I do have a, I did have an issue watching it, kind of going. This didn't feel like the Akeem that we we left at the end of the the first film. And I get what you're saying, Bill, about how we change and we kind of become slowly become our parents. I'm not a parent myself. I know that's happening to me. I find myself kind of, as you said, saying stuff that my mum or my dad would say. But I kind of felt, you know, he's he's a father of three daughters, and it was an issue for me that it that took that it took this issue about you know a possible male heir and discovering this male heir for him to then discover going into spoiler territory that actually I know I want to change the rules of my country. I, I feel that they should have done either or. I think they should have done a film where it's kind of talking about him wanting to have changed the rules or you know being against changing the rules and saying this is tradition and then coming to see things differently or had no daughters and had this illegitimate male heir. Those two separate plots, I think they, it seems to me like they've had two different ideas in the kind of the, the build-up for the plot, yeah. and they've just mushed them together. It didn't work for me, and I have issues with the fact that it takes... To be honest, see something that... When I, when I saw it on screen, that kind of issue made me sort of go, really, this is 2021? Why are we still talking about this sort of thing? Mm -hmm. This This sort of thing... Um, yeah. it, it shouldn't be a thing this should not be a plot point this should be just as it is yeah. you know it, it kind of it kind of threw me a wee bit to be honest yeah. that bit. but yeah. um, I will also say as well when you mentioned about Star Wars because I knew at some point you'd reference Star Wars <laughs> when I was thinking about this film I don't know if all, any of you have seen or all of you have seen uh, Jen Silent Bob reboot there's a plot where they they take the piss when they go right. Remember that film where they have to blow up the the spaceship and this that and they like, go oh, yeah Star Wars. No, that's Force Awakens. You I could feel myself in my head kind of going like, 
you could do the exact same thing. Remember when Akeem goes to America or when yeah. someone's coming to a country he doesn't quite understand and has to get to know the customs? Because there's stuff like when Akeem's um, bastard son, as they keep saying, his bastard heir, you know, when he comes and he's introduced to a hairdresser and you just know. Yeah. I mean, you know as soon as yeah. what's going to happen. Right, I know where that's going to go. But anyway, look, let's... Um, Stephen, Jones, Cax, I'm going to throw it open to you all. Feel free to kind of interject, picking up on what I've said, what Bill said, and just kind of what collectively we've said so far in this part about the film. Can I just jump in really quickly? So you've got this guy, Jermaine Fowler, is playing Lavelle, uh, Ali's son. Awesome dude. Done all right with what he had to work with. However, what I was thinking is, now I'm not saying this guy is the be-all and end-all, but he would have worked in here. Kevin Hart, you stick him in there as Eddie Murphy's son. Kevin Hart does his thing. At least you're going to get a fucking joke or two. This guy, obviously, I don't know what he is, whether he's an actor or a comedian or whatever. No comedy chops. He's too old. He done a decent enough job. Too jobs. old. But then, but then uh, when they were, they were right, trying to get Tracy, they were trying to get Tracy Morgan. To do Morgan, but uh, he's, but he's uh, too old. Eddie Murphy's 85 years old. You know, you kind of got away with Kevin. He's a hundred five years old. <laughs> you know, he's got. Ten, you know, not to, not to just throw in, but he's got ten kids. I only realized this that Eddie Murphy's ten kids. He's like yep. Jesus. You know, fair play, Eddie. Mel B's got one of them. He's an old one hanging out in Queens somewhere as well. <laughs> but no, that's just, just sorry, sorry, you broke up there. He's got one hanging out of the Queen. <laughs> That's right, what he said. Uh, and do you know what? In the week that we're recording, let's not go there. In the week, yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't want to end up with a bad case of death on the order of uh, you know, <laughs> Philip. You know, just when we're talking ill. Can, can I throw out right? And I'm going to be interested to see what you all think of this. This when I was watching. Now I know there's kind of like you're playing the character, and Akeem's not the kind of the kind of more energetic. He's not an Axel Foley type character. He is a very straight character. When you look back in the first one, he's like that. But I find Eddie Murphy, when he's not in the makeup as, you know, the Barbers or as Randy Watson, and there's, I think he's, uh, there's a couple of different guys, or the Jewish guy in the barbershop, there was no energy mm-hmm. at all from his performance mm-hmm. unless he's in prosthetics. So you get a sense that, you know, maybe the film to be made from this is kind of Something that's focused on Randy Watson, I, I would have paid to see that. I would have watched that. There, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about you. Did, did you find that? And it, it reminded me a bit of the conversation we had when we all had you all when we had you all on the pod before talking about Steve Martin. And we look at Steve Martin when he was younger, the energy in his performance. We think of Little Shop of Horrors, which I think at the time we all agreed was just comedy gold. And we mm. think of the stuff. You think of you think of Eddie Murphy as a performer. I think I'm maybe fixated too much on Delirious. He's an energetic guy, but even when you see him interviewed now, he doesn't seem that type of person. But you throw that guy under makeup, you know. You know, I know it's not a great film. Stuff like Norbit, The Nutty Professor, The Clumps, all that stuff. He seems to be someone who loves kind of descending into kind of prosthetics yeah. and a character, and that seems to get a performance out of him, but. I find him just such a, I'll be honest, a dear, dear bastard as a keem in this. And I don't know, I mean, feel free, because I'll come to you first, Jones, because you are the person that I know is the biggest Eddie Murphy. Well, I could be wrong, but I would imagine out of all of us here is the biggest Eddie Murphy fan. Did you have that as a, were you, was that something you were cautious of or conscious of when you were watching this? That you, is, is, is this a case for Eddie Murphy that this is just 
this is a money maker for me. It, it didn't feel like a performance that there was any real gusto or it felt like, you know, Dr. Doolittle 2. Um, I'm in it just to kind of because there's money involved. I could be wrong, Eddie. I'm sorry if you're watching, <laughs> but I didn't get you're a right. sense. I didn't get a sense that this was. He talks about it being a project that he wanted to make for so long. But I didn't get any sense of urgency, any sense of. I, I compare this. I don't know. Have any of you seen Dolomite is my name? Yeah. By the same guy. He's fucking immense in that. Amazing. He's immense in that. And then you see this and you just go, right. Okay. Is this just because you're getting a check for this? Because it's his own production company has made it. I don't know. Jones, I'll start with you. Cause as I say, you are the biggest Eddie Murphy fan amongst us. Yeah. I think you could be right there. Um, but it, he seems to have mellowed over the years since, you know, he started making all the PG movies and, you know, Haunted Mansion and all that there. He seems to have really mellowed. And I think that's the reason why this production is like a 12A. Um, I, I, I just think because he's got a load of kids and he's like, I want my kids to be able to watch this or be in this. Because one of his kids is actually in it, his middle daughter in the movie. And I think you, you could be definitely right about that. He's, he, I think he's a bit too chilled. <laughs> and if he's going to come back as a stand-up comedian, He's got to get that energy back again. Um, there's talks of him coming back, you know, doing the stand-up again. Yeah, I think he needs to think back to maybe re-watch himself and some of the stuff. Maybe he does. I don't know if he does or not. But, yeah, there's a lot, lot of energy missing there. And you're you're right about, I think, I think Hollywood maybe has, I don't know if it's scaring him or something, you know, this whole comeback trail that he's had recently, where maybe him as himself, he, speak, he feels a bit self-aware. So under the prosthetics, he's definitely free to let loose a little, a little bit. Um, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but yeah, I think he has mellowed a wee bit, a wee bit too much. Yeah. Stephen, Cax, Bill, anything you want to throw in? Well, Dolomite, look at him on Dolomite, man. That performance is superb. Yes, yeah, you know, it's such it's the same director as this. You know, they he had such a great time working with that director. I think it's Craig Brewers who directed mm. that. And he said, Right, I want you to be the man that does Coming to America, the sequel that we've been wanting to make for so long. And you look at those two films, it's it's night and day. The performance you get from Eddie Murphy, I again add that caveat when he's not in makeup. He's having a ball as as Randy Watson at the end of that film. And I'll come back to something, Stephen, you said about the fact that the the barber sequence didn't didn't maybe get as many laughs, even Randy Watson. I think it's because they're all in the trailers. So much of it is in the trailers yeah. that you kind of go, okay, well, I know that's going to happen. I know they're going to go back there. I know that Randy Watson is going to come back at some point. I know that uh, the the... The priest, or not the priest, the, the kind of the, the yeah, the character, that, um, yeah, the Reverend. That's the word I'm looking for. Thanks, Bill. That um, Arsencio plays, yeah, is good. Can, can I also throw in something else as well? Hi, I was pretty impressed, and I mean, I'm someone who does not like digital digital de aging. If that's the case, if that was what was going on, because I know the digital de aging, like we see on previous podcasts, me talking about the Mandalorian season two, I can just take you out of a moment. I thought the digital de-aging for early on as a way of kind of explaining why we have this bastard air and making sense of things, you know, again, Leslie Jones, I think 
steals that scene. I think she's I I am a big fan of her as a performer. I think well whether I want to mention Ghostbusters, the the female reboot. You know, I know that that film does not have a lot of fans, but I think yeah. it's a film that wasted the talent of four funny women. And I think Liz, Leslie Jones got hit the hardest with that. And whether it is a, a racial thing, the fact that she was the black performer amongst it, I don't know, because I think she had to leave Twitter as a result of the kind of nastiness that she was getting. I don't know if it was all social media or if it was maybe Twitter or, Twitter or Instagram. But this film at least reminded me, is that actually she is a she's a funny performer. She, 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 she was one of the few performances in that film that actually got not belly laughs, but a few, maybe kind of, you know, you know, a few chuckles. But I thought she was good. But the that digital de aging, apart from a couple of stuff with Eddie Murphy, there was, yeah, I was going to say there was a part where she jumps him on the sofa. He's on the sofa, and it was very ropey. I thought. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I but was it, like, oh, that's bad. That, but there's other bits that were okay. I do get that. Uh, it was, it was seamless for me. For our for Arsenio, like, it was. I, I couldn't believe it. It's like, is this footage that they filmed from the original one? And <laughs> it, it, it's just the way that it, they blended yeah. it all together. It's like it was seamless, beautiful. But watch the bit on the sofa, build a bit on the sofa. I bit the sofa. I but it's but, fast cotton no so but the Arsenio stuff was really good it was it was, yeah, it was crazy like, it was so good but no I mean the Leslie Jones thing I mean the only thing about Leslie Jones is you're going to get the same it's it's he plays the same character in every film <laughs> I mean I see her and it's the same thing so you know, fair news you got what you got from her you know kind of thing but um yeah I I, I was going to go back to something that you were saying about. You know, Bill was saying, I want to go back to what Bill was saying about you know the, the age thing and and all that. There, I still get that. I know what you're, you're you're talking about, but I go back to the story. The story was terrible. <laughs> you know, I just don't. I don't get too many, it. Uh, a couple of plot holes, like definitely. It's, I mean, it's like yeah. literally why you know why did we just get on the the back of this eagle and go and destroy the ring? You know, it's definitely yeah. up, up that scale. You know, it's like why yeah. do we why do we need to orbit a planet to destroy the planet's moon? Why don't we just destroy the planet? Yeah, yeah. You know, just obvious plot holes. Indiana yeah. Jones doesn't even need to be there. That's true. <laughs> saying, That's don't true. don't go down there. Go That's down. Not true. Can can I mention another thing? I'm just interested to see what you think. Um, again, this is part of all all men. I felt that Lisa. You know, that was meant to be this this great inspiration for Akeem from the first film. And this, this I, I hate to use that term, but this commoner, that's the term that they use, that he decided to marry from Queens, the love of his life. I felt for a large part of the film, she was really short chain. She had nothing to do. Yeah. And the yeah. only time when she's got like near the end, she's got a little bit of kind of, of stuff on screen and stuff that's kind of critical to the plot. But, you know... I'm sure she picked up a paycheck, but I'm sure that woman has got to be kind of looking at the screenplay, kind of going disappointed in what it served her up compared to when you look back at the first one. Yeah. And what she, what her character got to do. Yes. Okay. She's again, the first one has all those same issues that we look back now on film from the eighties. You can critique things and you can look at things of how the kind of gender equality has changed. We'll not go down that route too much, but, I, I did think that her character for this film, this sequel, to be such a big part of 
Akeem's life and, and the woman that he loved. And I come back to that point, Bill, I was talking earlier on. I wouldn't imagine someone like Lisa, this woman from Queens, not having an issue with the fact that, you know, none of our daughters can become queen of the country. None of them can be ruler. I, I, it's, it's a small niggle. Maybe it's because, you know, kind of now you kind of have to look at things slightly differently and, and look at things with more depth. But I felt her... Not, I, I, I thought that that whole thing was a wee bit, you know, outdated. Hmm. You know, I think we talked about this earlier anyway. That sort of concept is why, why are you still writing these kinds of stories? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've, you know, we've had the likes of Black Panther and things like that where it shows, you know, it shows a, a society where, you know, males and females coexist. And they're both, you know, both equal both warranted both both have agency that sort of thing um and then you get to this and it's like why you why why was that even a thought why were you even thinking this was your major plot point because you know it only takes but like this it would only take the woke brigade to come in and that film is toast it is gone it is cancelled I don't, you know, I, don't um, that, I don't mind that being in there, that whole like uh, that Zamunda is behind the times <laughs> traditions and stuff like that. But th- 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 that was the good way, just as Jim brought up Lisa's character there. There's your way of doing this movie without doing the whole, oh, I have a son, I have a kid back here, let's go get a kid. Why not have it that she's fucking fed up with this bullshit Zamunda is? What, my daughters can't be queen? You know what? Fuck you. I'm taking my daughters and moving back to Queens. And he's going back to where we're back. Maybe that's his fucking reason to go back to Queens and, and go back to America. Like you don't need to fucking bring in the sun in the air and all that bullshit that didn't. Ca- Cax, yeah, I'm, I'm just Cax, I'm just gonna say it was like having Shari Headley there, right in the podcast with your kind of performances, Lisa there, just the way you were going. I could, I just felt it like it was almost like Lisa was there right there with that performance. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm looking on on IMDb. I'm not gonna say I just came up with this off the top of it, but there's seven screenwriters involved yeah, in this, and you just sit and go. Okay, I'm, I'd imagine it's coming back to that point. I don't know this for certain. It's you know completely conjecture. It feels like they've maybe had one idea for a script because I've been reading. I don't know if any of you are any of you are massive Halloween fans. There's the Taken Shape books that have been released where it talks about kind of the the Halloween projects that have never been made, and this is clearly a project that's been in development for a while. Maybe one screenwriter has done one kind of option, one screenplay. Next screenwriter has come in and said, right, well, we'll add this and we'll add this. And it comes back to that thing where it feels like two screenplays just pushed together. Mm. And I don't know, maybe it needed another draft or maybe it needed someone to come in and say, right. Too many cooks. Yeah. It's like it's like WWE wrestling. WWE wrestling for many years was Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson. Right, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. Then he got a load of writers in. And look how shite it is now. And that's what it is. That, that a lot of time it is what it is. It's like a Beyonce song. There's like twenty writers, and all she says in it uh, is like the one line over and over again. We run the world, girls. It's like I could I could write that for you. you yeah, but yours would be about here, here lads, long. here lads. I'm. I don't need got. I don't need you got any money on before Jones mentioned or brought up that he was in a band. 
you know, you know, if Bill, if Bill was going to talk about Star Wars, how long before? Like, I'm clocking at this nearly 45 minutes here, and we've kind of got, you know, jo- here, Joan, you're in a band. I, 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 you know, so how many writers write your songs? Well, it'd be 15 writers because it's not fucking long. It's just 15 songs put together. A writer yeah. verse. It's not. Yeah. It's not 15 writers. It's 15 hours a song. <laughs> <laughs> Long play. <laughs> I just want to mention uh, like we honourable mention uh, a, a small pinhole of light in there. I didn't mean Wesley Snipes in this. Yeah, he was alright. Oh, yeah, he yeah, was very good. Well, I, lo- I loved him as a before. I wish again he was given something funnier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It was. I thought he would have had. I know he. I'm gonna say as he. I thought he would have a bigger part. He was kind of just. He appeared every so often, and that was it. Mm. You know, again, it, there was like three, I said, there was two different storylines. And, you know, the one thing I remember in the movie, they kind of take all to take the piss of themselves, it says, make it unnecessary sequels. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. start, the more I watch this, I feel actually, yes, this was a necessary sequel. And I, going back to what you were saying, Jim, I feel it was a payday. I do feel it was kind of nostalgia, makes money. So, well, I you think know, it's, it's coming back to that point. I think. There's undeniably so much goodwill for that original, and you know yeah. what it what it did and what it did for black performers and black culture, and and putting them on screen. And you know, okay, yes, it was directed by John Landis, but it was a largely black cast mm. all at the time in the eighties, and it was a box office success. And yeah. there's undeni- and you see that with the amount of cameos and the amount of people that are prepared to kind of come back and offer their time. So you see that. But that you, I, I actually had scribbled that down in my notes because to be that cocky to make that type of joke, you need to have a funnier film, and it's almost got a sense that it's like you're like you're just you're just shooting yourself in the foot when you throw in that type of line. When I'm not yeah. gonna say it's smug, I don't. I'm not gonna say it's smug, but it's just that sense like I know what they're trying to do, and they clearly think it's a funny line, and I know what they're going for. But the product that then you're then serving up itself needs to be funnier for people yeah. not to kind of go fucking tell me about it. I'm watching an unnecessary yeah. sequel. But and that's that's my little kind of ramble. I will talk about another performer we haven't really talked about here, who again I thought was marginalized, not given a lot to do. I mentioned him briefly earlier on. Arsenio Hall isn't mm-hmm. given that much to yes, he's got a few again under prosthetics, he's mm. he's great, but there wasn't enough of him for me. And I'm thinking back, it was again, looking back to the original, like Eddie Murphy was playing the straight man and Arsenio Hall was trying to get most of the, the gags in the first one. He's not really... He, he was kind of like not needed. And again, I think going back to what Bill was saying, um, you know, the story was about the son. Um, so Arsenio was kind of there out of, well, again, a bit like, Sammy's here. Hey, nostalgia. You know, it was just thing, nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, that's what it felt like. It, it, you know, Arsenio Hall's not been about for a while. Like, you know, he's, he's you know, as a mainstream guy. So, I, t- I tell you like what really, I tell you what really annoyed me, and they missed a fucking trick. If if it was us, we would have done it. <laughs> but it's you know the way he has the sort of like the father son talk. But yeah. it's it's um it's Cleo that he's talking to in the restaurant. If it was me, I would have had I I would have had a keep walking in the fucking planes of the thing. 
and he just would have heard the Akeem. I would have looked up, and it's the clouds would have fucking parted, and it would have been it would have been Mufasa himself. I mean, they even mentioned Mufasa a couple of yeah. times, yeah. and it's like, why did nobody pick up on that's that's how you should have passed on the information. That's yeah. such a great callback. And it's yeah. so funny to me, even just thinking about it, just seeing James <laughs> R. Jones's face in the clouds. Do you think though funny. that do you think it's funny. That, it is funny, but do you think that <laughs> ventures too much then into kind of like a I'm only gonna say this because I've watched it like that time at Meet the Spartans kind of yeah. scary movie. It adventures too far into that. I get that yeah. Sort of, but have you watched Keanu? Mm-hmm. Did you watch the film Keanu? Oh, I just saw Have you watched Keanu? <laughs> no, that's it's the Jordan Peele and um, uh, the other uh, Key. Uh, it's the Key and Peele yeah, film about the wee cat. The but he goes on the quest to get the wee cat back. He's called Keanu. There's a lovely wee bit now when uh, it's uh, Key takes. Um, he accidentally takes drugs and he goes up into this fucking thing and he does this dance with uh, George Michael. <laughs> Faith, it's, it's lovely wee sequence. But then sobriety kind of hits him and it's the cat. It's like a dream of the cat is talking to him and it's voiced by Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's that kind of thing that people like that. People, yeah. you know, stuff that crosses over. Yeah. I mean, I think we there's like one... That. Looking at IMDb, I think there's one small one that probably might be lost in us here in the UK. We have James Earl Jones, who's briefly here in the film. Uh, but I think because he does the voice of This Is CNN. And then they have... Yes, and it's It's a small thing. Yeah, I get it. I think kind of personally, I just think for the film to have done that, I, I agree, I would have found it funny, I think it would have probably been funny than what we got, Same. but I think it's venturing hey, you're, too far I'm, a, I'm available for three. <laughs> you know, oh, if they yeah. need that eighth screenwriter, there we go, Bill Taylor. There you go. Although Daddy, we, did, we did call when, the, when this movie was announced, we were, uh, us guys were sitting up at Jones's house one day and we were like, just shooting the shit about the film coming out and we were like, fuck, wouldn't it be funny if uh, your woman's still hopping on one foot? Yeah. <laughs> I did laugh at that though. I did laugh yeah. at that. So did we. We wrote that. We should actually try and get royalties for that because we thought of that collectively. And to check up the seven writers, screenwriters, our four names not in there. I, I'm Barry Blaustein. Yeah. That's, that's my. Uh, my that's your alias for all these years. That's your writing yeah. name, is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I love wrestling, Bill, and you know. Hey, and then the Beyond the Mat stuff, you know. So, oh yeah, love your documentary. That's <laughs> great. Thanks. Let, Jim, let, go on ahead, yeah, Cax. Sorry, I want to throw one back towards yourself, or being the host. Do you think this movie is missing Landis, or you, like when you when you think about Blues, Blues Brothers two thousand, is it not missing Landis? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I love John Landis. He's He's off his time. Like, what was the last one he did with um, Simon Pay Burke and Hare? He yeah, did, yeah. which was okay. You know, I, like I think it's fine. I, I don't know. Um, I don't even know. Is he involved in any way? And I don't even think he's a producer. I'm not. He gets a credit, but he only gets a credit because 
they use footage from the original yeah. film. It? I I don't know the the honest answer to that. Like, could you have done a thing like kind of uh, would have maybe liked to have seen, you know, what they're doing with Ghostbusters? Okay, we haven't seen the newest Ghostbusters. It's pushed pushed back to next year. Like instead of um, Ivan Reitman, it's Jason Reitman with Max Landis. Is it next year now? Yeah, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong in that. You know, it's changing all the time. Sick. But maybe Max Landis doing this. Yeah, I don't, Max. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think the honest answer is, and I'm not going to say this film's a turd, but I don't think the best director couldn't polish. The, yeah, I was, I was just of a script. It's not. It's, it's got all the goodwill. It is drenched in nostalgia. I know our very own Therese Ray loved it. She put it on Facebook when I said we were recording this. She just said it's got all the callback, call the callbacks, all the nods, and it was there. And maybe, you know, I'll throw this out to you. You know, Bill, you mentioned this. The fact that it's we're watching this in lockdown, you know, are we looking at this differently because of the search, the situation? We've been in lockdown. We're watching it from home. I think I would be a lot, not nastier, a lot harsher towards this had I paid money to go see this at the cinema. I think streaming and not even being PVOD, we have to pay fifteen ninety nine, just being you know, free to air, yeah. you know, on Amazon Prime. I can't remember what was Paramount. Paramount have, have clearly sold it. They, I think they clearly thought they might have had possibly a stinker. I don't know. They, they got good money. It's doing well on Amazon Prime. I think it's their most watched film currently as we record. But, you know, starting with yourself, Stephen, just because I'm looking at the screens and you're beside me here, you know, do you think, you know, watching this at home, you know, again, we'll throw in lockdown. I guess that's kind of a weird situation that we yeah, probably be in. Uh, I don't think so. Again, I like I'm just going by my experience of watching it. It just wasn't. <sighs> no, it didn't make any difference to me. Um, I don't know about lockdown. Yeah, again, if you want to watch something that's just got oh, it's got all the callbacks, brilliant. And and that don't get me wrong. The, the callbacks were great. It was like, oh, great. It's like seeing old friends again. But, you know, it, it just it, it just was a disappointment. I, I, I'm going to harp on about storyline. I like if I, when I watch a movie, I want to I watch a story, you know, and I think that's missing a lot now. There's, there's, there's not many good stories about anymore. You know, there, there's a lot of rehashes. And then when they do these sequels, it's, it's a lot, you know, the, with the, 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 you know, the, the long gaps, it's it is. It just turns into a nostalgia thing, and I'm like, no, it's not for me. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm Mister Negative tonight. That's all <laughs> right, Stephen. That's okay. You know, Jones. What about you? You know, you think watching at home. You know, you're someone who works in a cinema. You know, cinemas are currently closed. Do you think you'd maybe have a different reaction? Okay, you probably get in free anyway because you work there. But had you paid to see this, do you think you'd had a different reaction? Would you be harsher, or do you think the fact that you know right now we're here in lockdown, maybe? A film that's, I'm going to say, it's trying to give you a warm hug, that warm hug of nostalgia. Okay, maybe it's not worked for all of us here. Bill's, it's clearly the work the most for. But do you think watching at home is probably the the right place rather than, you know, trips and out to the cinema and paying whatever it is, admission and all our shite that we go and we get to the cinema? You know, watching at home is maybe the best place for it? Well, I, like, it was meant to be out in August last year in the cinemas. And then that's when it was sold on. And um, I think if you're if you're in a decent, where like a, a, if you're in the cinema, 
with a decent amount of people, I think you might have giggled a bit more or might, might have laughed out loud a wee bit because that kind of becomes infectious. So you might have come out of it going, that wasn't too bad until you got home and then the next day you'd start thinking, shit, maybe actually it wasn't that, it wasn't that good. Maybe I was just laughing along with people. So I don't know how the cinema experience would be for that, but I've been to see a lot of stuff like Zoolander 2, Anchorman 2, and it's not been a great experience. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, all I can say is I've, I've watched it twice now, and I'll probably never, ever watch it again, but I'll re-watch to America from the 80s, not a problem. I'll watch that once a week, even. You know what I mean? Love it. You've mentioned you've made a really good point. I actually think in a roundabout way, Jones, I think had I watched this with an audience, I don't think the laughs would have been there. And I think that would have probably actually for me made this a worse experience. I think it's come back when I'm just watching it. I was watching it here with my wife. My wife was actually crocheting. She wasn't giving it full attention while she was watching. And I was kind of sitting there going, it's going to get funny. It's going to get funny yeah. when they get when they yeah. get back and he gets the air or when he gets back to Queens to see if it's changed or not it's going to get funny I waited I was waiting for the film to really get into gear but I think had I sat with an audience watching that where you kind of I'm not saying you should, you should but where everyone's supposed to be giving the film its full attention and the laughs not being there and just the fact you mentioned you know Anchorman 2 Zoolander 2 that might have been the same thing where the laughs aren't there in, an, in a cinema auditorium you start to think this is maybe worse than what it is. But that's me, you know, Cax, what about you watching at home? Do you think it was probably, you know, do you think you were kind, even though you're not positive about it, do you think you were kind on it? Because maybe you watched it at home. Well, I think as you're mentioning, uh, watching that with an audience, you'd pretty much, if you want to know how that would have felt like, that's pretty much what the audience felt like when the wife does support the hardy. <laughs> so there you go. It's kind of again. <laughs> 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 I mean, no, um, as you were talking about that, that doesn't make a difference watching at home. My mind immediately shot to Wonder Woman 84 because I watched it at home at the time and I paid for it, obviously. Uh, the stream on, I was, I watched it and I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm watching it going, I'm trying to like this. I'm trying to fucking like this. It's not, yeah. I'm not in the cinema. It's Gal Gadot. We love her. We love the first movie. I'm trembled. Kind of like Kirsten Wick is doing a good enough job. I'm trying to convince myself that I like this movie. And when I sat back after it, I was like, I kind of stunk. And I, I don't know, man. I felt a scene that Wonder Woman in the, in, the, in the cinema with a whole big experience. What did it change my mind? Probably not really, man. So no, I can't even fucking give that to, to Coming to America. I think you're right in what you're saying. If you were sitting watching Coming to America in the cinema and nobody was laughing, I'd get that fucking warm feeling where you're taking a beamer. Be like, oh fuck, it's tanking, it's tanking. And I'd feel I, bad for the film, you know what I mean? I'd just be like, let's get out of here. I was getting up a warm face today because I was myself last Friday. And then I was in the cafe after doing a rewatch of it. So you want to watch it? She fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> Yeah, but Joan, see when you say you got that warm, you know, feeling on your face, we're not just sitting, you know, at the window and the and the sun was coming, and maybe is that why? <laughs> but, can, I, can I actually just pick up Cax and something you said there? Because I watched because I'm a huge fan. I, I don't want to go down talking about Wonder Woman 1984, because I actually to throw the the kind of grenade in the, the pond. I actually like Wonder Woman 1984. I do think of it as 
I do think. Oh my god! I think of it. Oh as fuck no! A new what the fucking magic, the I, magic monkey paw. No, thank you. I oh, thought of it Jesus as Christ. I thought of it as Patty Jenkins' Batman Returns, and I, I think. Without going into that, listen back to the podcast where we talked about it, where I was the only person of the three of us who tried to defend. I, I got what Wonder Woman 1984 was trying to do. And I think had we not had COVID, had we not had lockdown, I probably would have watched it with a lot and been a lot harsher towards it than than some. I just think in the, the time when I watched it and what it was trying to do about that we want our superheroes to be truthful and tell the truth, I liked that. But I don't want to get stuck into that that's a discussion for another bad film it's a discussion for another day but they steal a boy they literally steal a fella (laughs) they fucking literally steal him cax right i'm gonna i'm gonna have to mute bill at some point but cax i want to i want to pick up on something you said because you paid one to to watch wonder woman 1984 you went down the premium rental route i did that a couple of weeks ago with barb and star go to Vista Del Mare, right? I love, I, I do love Kirsten Wig. I, I love her as a performer. Um, but I did not like that film. Now, I paid $15.99 to watch that for the privilege and to kind of watch a film that is just a mess from start to finish. From the film that the two women that wrote Bridesmaids, a film I love. Yeah. And you just see that as a mess. I think I was a lot harsher to that because I went, I fucking paid $15.99 to see that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's going back to like I would have paid a cinema ticket. I would be a lot harsher to see stuff. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's if I got sent a screener. You know, you know, ooh or me, I got sent a screener by Warner Brothers for Wonder Woman 1984, and maybe that's why because I'm not as harsh. But I also went to pay to see it in the cinema, so I'm not going to say that because I went to see it at the Odeon before it closed. But do you think had you what just going back to that thing we talked about paying to see Wonder Woman and being disappointed? We're talking here about this being streaming. Had this been a PVOD, Cax? Do you think you would be coming on to this pod a lot angrier having paid $15.99 to see something that is a lukewarm comedy at best? Probably, man. Probably, yep. Um, there's a lot of the times me and the missus are sitting here watching like on, on your Now TV when you're, um, maybe you've missed in the cinema, come on. And you sit down and go, oh, fuck, let's, let's sit down and check it out. Lost Jedi is a good example. Uh, there's one the you built. I'm sitting back and going, fucking glad I didn't go to the cinema for that. You know, and uh, I think that I think that rings true for coming to America. I'm glad this wasn't in the cinema, you know. Mm. Yeah. But uh, like we're not out, we're not out of pocket. Fucking got to watch it for free. So uh, even as a free movie, it was just uh, yeah, I didn't lose any money. But fucking <laughs> just lost a little bit. We we bit of my soul. That was yeah. all. Yeah. Nearly two hours of your of your life. That's all. So Bill, mm-hmm. gonna come back to. you we're not going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. We're not going to talk about <laughs> it, right? We're not going Great. down it because we don't have enough time. We'll get you on another pod and we'll talk about Wonder Woman 1984. Do you think kind of watching this at home is probably... You, you've had the most positive reaction and I don't know if it was a case that you were watching with... I don't know if you're watching with all the family because, as we said, you can do this. I don't know. Um, I don't know, like... The first one, is it in 18? 15, 18? Yeah, um, I think it's an is it well, an well, I don't, it's R rated anyway, isn't it? I don't know. Being kind of going, America? I'm going to yeah. say because I think I know from off the top of my head. I think is it Stephen and Bill? You're, you're the parents in the room, Cat, yeah. You? I don't know. I mean, I mean, 
have you got around the stage? Have you watched as a family the first coming to America? The first coming yeah, to America? Got, well, to be honest, yeah, I've got like older kids, so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, they've watched it. Well, my um, teenagers seen it. Yeah, <laughs> well played, gentlemen. So, so coming then back then, I mean, did you all watch as a family this this sequel? No, it was just me and the messes. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, Giles is a teenager. She doesn't want to be seen with us. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. But do you think kind of watching this at home is probably kind of the, the kind of watching at home on a on a rental service rather than having to go down PVOD? Do you think it's kind of you? As I say, you've had the most positive. You didn't have to go out anywhere. You were able to sit your arse down on a comfy sofa and watch it from the luxury of your home. Do you think? I'm not saying that's maybe kind of reason why you're more positive. But do you think that's played a part, maybe? Had you went to say, as we say, go to a cinema, go out, you and your lovely missus, on a date night, had to go buy dinner beforehand, then go to the cinema, get your snacks, and then sit your arse down in the cinema seat. Do you think, it's an impossible question, we don't know, but do you think maybe you would have a, a I would, different... To be honest, I would have preferred that. I, I enjoy the cinema anyway. Yeah, so, so do I, we all do. I mean, I would have, I would have preferred to see it in the cinema. Um, I, I prefer the cinema experience. Um, that's not to say that sitting watching films isn't isn't pleasant in the house. It is, um, but the I suppose the the thing I think Joe fuck why am I agreeing with him? <laughs> Jones was right in that. <laughs> coming the original coming to America, you could stick that on anytime at all. And you'll sit and watch the whole film in its entirety. And you will not feel like you've wasted your time. I will probably not watch it again. (laughs) Oh, we've lost Bill, I think. I I thought, see, we we know each other so well, I could finish the sentence. Bill also wants to to add that he uh, probably is the weakest writer in the group. Um, <laughs> but uh, us three kind of carry him as well. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that's, I'm sensing that's what he's going to say maybe, as well. Maybe my back, back's broke for fuck's sake. It's, a, oh, it's, a, it's oh. a perfect little kind of, you know, screen freeze off him too as well. I have to say. <laughs> it's, it's, I have to say, it's quite Zoolander-esque. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, matron, oh. Uh, I think Bill would also add that he only said in jest that he didn't like Wonder. Oh, oh, he's gone. He's he didn't gone. say in jest that he didn't like Wonder Woman 1984, and that he uh, absolutely loves The Force Awakens. And at no point shouted up bullshit and in a packed screening. To like, you know, that's all a myth that has just been built up about. No, and and privately has told us how much he loves that movie. Yeah. Um, I I find it it's all bravado, man, and. and um, he loved Wonder Woman 1984. I mean, he 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 he, he told me that yeah. he wept after it and with just how much he enjoyed it. Yeah. Look, look, we'll not get well. Well, there's a possibility Bill might come back. Right? We don't know. Um, he might be a way to watch Coming to America again. I don't know. Maybe that's what he was going to say. There's a. I'm going to go watch it now and just left. I don't know. <laughs> but if he does come back or doesn't, whilst we wait for Bill to possibly reappear. One of the last questions I did want to ask you, gentlemen, and Cax, you raised this first, that idea of the comedy sequel. It's always problematic. I can't, well, I can't think of great comedy sequels to that aren't kind of laden to franchise, but comedy sequels that are back after a long time. We've mentioned Anchorman 2. 
we've mentioned Zoolander too. Unless there's something I'm glaringly obvious that I can't think of. I can't think of a great comedy sequel to a film that, like a great one and done that was a great comedy. You know, even, okay, we even could to, to an extent here throw in kind of the Hangover movies. I'm not a massive fan of them anyway. I, I don't enjoy that type of masculinity and that, that that ultra kind of masculinity and the kind of crudeness. Give me something like I Love You Man any day over the Hangover, but that's just me. Comedy sequels kind of that have come back after a long time. I can't think of any real gems. Can you, gentlemen? No. no. Uh, like, there's comedy partnerships that are able to come back in a different movie, as in Gene Wilder, fucking Richard Pryor and different yeah. movies. God, you're showing your age there, Cax. I know. <laughs> can't think of anything recently, man. But, uh, like, you can come back as a Jew, like a, a successful Jew, but uh, you're right, a successful uh, comedy sequel. The, the main boggles, man. Like, uh, I'm fucking stressing the fucking thing on them. I suppose the closest we can think of more recently would be someone like um, like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. You know, they yeah. can come come back and do different yeah. things. Yeah. You know, and do that. Like, I know. You, you can go down the road if by God, God love us, we're going to, if you're if thinking comedy sequels, your American Pay, Five, Six, Seven, and Eight, and Place Academy, 32, and whatnot. Every, every one of them. It just gets that bit more lukewarm, doesn't it? Police Academy, Police Academy, Police Academy Three is comedy gold. Cax, is that, is that Citizens <laughs> yeah. on Patrol? I, I, that's comedy gold. That's the fourth. Oh, fourth. Yeah. Honest to be, I, you know, the American. <laughs> you talk about American Pie. I actually quite like the the the, the American Pie one. The the last one, I kind of like that. Oh, reunion. Yeah, I I know that was all right. I got I like, some good laughs. Yeah. I like three. I like three. I I, did, I wasn't a massive fan of two. American no, Pie two. two. It just tried to do the same thing again, but in a summer house. American Pie three. I think it's the wedding. I kind of yeah. liked it. It's yeah, funny. it was okay. But was I know, like, thing. go ahead. Here's one film on. Like, the here's another reason why coming down market should have a black mark against it, man. Um, look at Dumb and Dumber two. Did they not say that and go, oh fuck, that's close to the bone of what we're thinking? Yeah, I'm back to the money. That's why I keep thinking money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the bunts. Like, oh, Harry's got a child. Oh, no, it's, it's Lloyd's child. Doesn't matter whose fucking kid it was. He's went down the whole road of, oh, look, what, what, what could the story be? He's got a child. And they've done the same thing with us. Oh, they're not the same dumb and dumb. Went, fuck, let's, let's rethink this. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't a fan of. Isn't it Dumb and Dumber? Is it Dumb and Dumber or Dumb and Dumber Two? Because there's the two. There was the one that was kind of like the prequel when they wouldn't come back, and they said, "Right, we've got an idea," which I wasn't a fan of anyway. The, the sequel. I mean, I love Dumb and Dumber. I love. Yeah. I, I have such a soft spot for that film, but it's, the sequel didn't work. Horrible. And it's yeah. the same with Zoolander Two. Zoolander mm-hmm. was a film I was ready for, and you just kind of go. Really? That's the best you cooked up. Now, hey, I'm not gonna say I didn't I mean I was only I was that one guy, and there's nothing worse when you watch a comedy in the cinema and there's one guy laughing. That would have been my fear, you know, sitting in coming to America, <laughs> the new one, and sitting in the screen with Bill and just hearing Bill laugh, and that's it, right? <laughs> but Bill Bill would have been like Cape Fear. You know? <laughs> 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 
What? Why is he smoking? Bill doesn't smoke. <laughs> he's, he's doing it in his head. But oh, I think we have him back. But um, I'd be funny if he was just smoking. But um, no, I don't know. Like I remember, like there's one sequence in Zoolander too. It's with Will Ferrell, but he's not someone right, known for comedy gold. There he's back. He's back with that same face. You know, we're just surprised about all the things you kind of talked about there when you were when you were off. How much you loved Wonder Woman. How much you loved uh, the Force Awakens. You know your stance as a writer amongst the sixth sense. It was very honest of the things, you know, that yeah. you said in your mm-hmm. absence. But no, we were just saying, Bill, about comedy sequels. Thank you. That have uh, of, of original comedy goals that have resurfaced after several years. They very rarely strike the same comedic goal. I suppose you can't hit lightning, you know, the same lightning or is it lightning in a bottle? You can't get it the second time round. It's like, I'm going to go out there and say like something like Phil Lord and Christopher Miller with like the Lego movie and to extent with 21 Jump Street. They're, they, they're great at what they do for coming back and like changing your... Who thought the Lego movie would be genius? Who even thought 21 Jump Street would be funny? But when they come back and do it the second time around, it, it might still be funny, but it, it lacks the same wow factor. I don't know. Um, For me, this is definitely another one of those sequels to something we didn't really need. It's nice to be back in those people's company and that their their time but it's just not really funny enough to justify my time but since you haven't had a chance bill to talk you know because you've your internet has died you know where are you going to weigh in here on on comedy sequels you put a pound in the meter there so we <laughs> for another five minutes is it a pound and uh, a, a pound in the meter for bill or the electric one of those wind up ones that's what it yeah. is I've got an inbuilt card swiping machine, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like C three PO. You can turn them on and off. Oh, oh yes. So, Bill, mm. comedy comedy sequels. Are there any good comedy sequels? Not, not really many at all. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, when, people, when we say this, though, there's always there's something very obvious that we've. Missed. There's always something yeah. that's clearly obvious. Yes, Ventura. Oh no! Is it? Is it though, Cax? When's the last time you watched it? That's the thing. About thirty-five years ago. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, when you're up, well, go back and rewatch them, and you're like, oh, it, it's a bit like the early. I had this discussion with my lovely wife because every year around Super Bowl time, we always watch The Water Boy, and you go, oh, Adam Sandler, comedy gold back then. You know, where did it all go wrong? And then you watch. I find myself watching Billy Madison and going, oh, Adam Adam Sanders actually a bit of an annoying bastard, but even back then, (laughs) and you feel ashamed. I think we talked about this was the state on the Steve Martin episode. You feel dirty and you go, (laughs) I find this funny. And it's it's maybe not to the extent of like going back and look at Eddie Murphy's. Let's keep it to an extent on point with Delirious. Looking back at that and kind of going, ooh. I laughed at that. People laughed at that back then. You wouldn't get that now. But like the the Adam Sandler stuff, Billy, uh, even Happy Gilmore, I find myself going, oh, I, I don't find this as funny now. Maybe yeah. I'm just getting old and grumpy, but I can't think. And I always know this when we say this. And naked someone gone, will then... Naked gone two yeah. and a half. There you go. Yeah. Because you... Naked gone. Give it up. And Naked Gun 3. Hey, we're going to possibly get Naked Gun movies with Liam Neeson involved. And I'm actually thinking that's so weird and out there. That might work 
if if Liam Neeson's oh. playing it straight, don't straight and straight, I don't, don't know it. Do you know some comedy chops, you know that by? Yeah. Nice too short. Liam Neeson doesn't have acting chops. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the big man? Jesus yeah. Christ. Hey, dark man was something else, man. Jesus Christ. I can't yeah. remember. I've I've interviewed him and he was I do remember him trying Ooh. to be funny when I interviewed him. It was for one of his kind of taken-esque action movies. It was the one on the train. I can't remember what it was called. And he was interview. I was interviewing him and he tried to be funny. And it was a case of like, if there was tumbleweed on the red carpet behind at any point, it would have been perfect. But I actually, part of me thinks it could be so out there that it might, rather than trying to get a, again, it's the thing, you know, you're not going to replicate the naked gun because I will say this, and this is a podcast we are looking to do at some point in the future, our lockdown heroes, the, the kind of movies, or TV series that have got you through lockdown. And I know in January, I was feeling really, I don't know, I'm not being melodramatic, but I was feeling really down. It was just kind of all the lockdown shite had gotten the top of me. Um, we had to self-isolate because of um, we had a COVID scare, my parents, and I was sitting at home because it came down, and it was just, this is shit, this is not going to end, it's going to go on. And I threw on, I think it was on Sky, and they had the Naked Gun movie on. And I was like, right, fuck it, I'm going to put that on. And I properly, properly belly laughed. Then they had the Naked Gun oh, 2 yeah. on. And I and they put the third one on. Is it The Smell of Fear? Or The Smell of Fear, I think it's the second one. I can't remember. 33 and a third is, yeah, yeah, it's I think it is. 33 smell, yeah. and a third is the third one. Second one, Smell of Fear. Yeah, and I watched the three of those films and I properly, genuinely, I'm not just trying to be melodramatic. It's the idea when people kind of say, oh, comedy, it's a bit piffy. How those three films really in one night just properly lifted my mood oh, awesome. hot shots part two hot yes. shots part two airplane fucking mm, airplane, airplane two it has its moments but airplane two sounds good it's the first one the but first it's still good and the first one makes me cry well after i just love that film so much Aye. yeah it's the it's the kid it's the kid singing it's the kid singing she knocks the fucking thing off i just spent tears them. <laughs> That's brilliant, <laughs> Jones. You've been a bit quiet, you know. So I know we have not given you an opportunity to talk about the band or anything like that. But come on, let's talk. He's about writing something. the song about this. I'm, I'm just someone's cut knocked the window. I'm waiting for the first verse. Yeah, you know, don't worry. You'll take you 15 minutes to write and like a minute to scream through it. But uh, you know, where are we going with comedy sequels here? What's your? You, you haven't said much, Jones. Where you went in here? Uh, um, the same thing. Like you were talking about. You de- you're definitely not getting a comedy sequel 20 or 30 years later that's going to be funny. It just doesn't seem to work. But you can, like some of the stuff that the boys have mentioned there, there's definitely some sequels, you know, that happens within five years. Mm-hmm. Like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, that type of thing. You'll get some comedy gold again uh, because I guess it's fresh or something and they, they haven't thought about it too much. I think it's whenever the thought about it for years and years and years and then it just doesn't doesn't seem to work i think it needs to be fresh in their minds coming off the movie like get straight in to work on that sequel and maybe it'll work you know so yeah i mean I'm, I'm the one the one that surprises me because you mentioned it ghostbusters 2 which i have a i have a huge love for i mean i love that film but i mean i know the people involved like well bill murray hates it Dan Aykroyd yeah. all kind of say, you know, that was the Ghostbusters film out of the three that have been made so far. That has 
or that have been released so far, that was the one that was made for commercial gain, and it showed yeah. that. And you know, I still get surprised because I mean, I love that film. And then we, yeah, when we had Ghostbusters coming out in 2016. You kind of hear all the stuff about oh, Ghostbusters three, why it didn't happen, and, and basically because Bill Murray hated his time making Ghostbusters two, he didn't think it was funny enough, he didn't think it was sharp enough. Kind of all what we're saying about coming to America, and this is going to be a thing that I want to throw out, because, and I will let you go because it is Friday evening. I'm sure you have better things to do than chat to me. This has definitely not that my expectations were we high. Don't, Jim. <laughs> all right, well, we'll just keep talking to midnight. It's all right, keep going, but. I think coming in, coming to America, this this sequel has definitely dampened my expectations for because it's inevitable. It's happening, happening. Beverly Hills Cop Four, yeah. and okay, it's not an it's not an Eddie Murphy original comedy vehicle, but triplets. These two films are happening. We are having triplets, the sequel to Twins, the with Eddie Murphy being the third brother, the third twin we never knew. He's coming back as Axel Foley. Jesus. I don't know. From watching, I come back to that point with watching Eddie Murphy in this. Okay, I know Akeem's a different character from Axel Foley. I just don't know if he's got that energy to do. Okay, maybe throw him under some prosthetics. I don't know. He might do it, but I. Those are two projects. Beverly Hills Cop Four. I maybe would have said yeah because I, I. Okay, three is not great. One and two are gold. I like three. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like three as well. Yeah, so Jim, yeah, Jim. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Maybe I need to go back and revisit it. But oh, you don't need to. You don't need to. Jim, have you seen Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Do you know? Funny you say that, Jones. Funny you say that. I have. I haven't seen the previous one hundred nineteen eighty two, but I've definitely seen one hundred nineteen. I've definitely seen Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. There's a good podcast where I tried to defend the film, but you know, the last time. You know, we got into that. It made Bill's internet explode. I think along yeah. with Bill, so we'll not we'll not go there. That's what happened. But are any of you kind of like? Well, here's the thing: were any of you? I know you all mentioned you were talking about this when you first heard it was happening. Were any of you genuinely excited about this, or mm-hmm. and are any of you genuinely now excited for Beverly Hills Cop Four and Triplets? I'm just throwing triplets in there because I know I... it's Eddie Murphy. It's another nostalgia, you know, feature that has been talked about for years apparently is happening i had i i i was kind of very nervous about coming to america this one coming to america i've been perfect if um, you just said you've been really nervous about coming to america it's like no you're not in america Stephen, you're fucking in northern ireland mate, the, the americans are nervous about me coming there yeah. as well um but no um I was kind of nervous about the movie. I, I was kind of like, oh and it was kind of in the first five months i was like yep I'm, I'm, i think i might be right here and uh, I don't have high hopes for <laughs> triplets, definitely not. And um, Beverly Hills Cop Four, it's about it's it's about fifteen years, maybe longer, twenty years too late. Well, they had a TV, they had a TV movie of Beverly Hills Cop with Axel Foley's son, and I think Eddie Murphy shows up in it. I don't think he's a large role, and I think he might have produced it. But apparently, Beverly Hills Cop Four is because I was looking today on IMDb, that is his two projects that are currently in development: uh... triplets and Beverly Hills Cop Four. I mean, I love twins. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to be afraid to admit I love twins, and it's the film that made you think maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger can do comedy. He can. He got out. the papers and the trash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, I'm going to say this because in terms of what Cax was talking about, Ace Ventura Two being a comedy, a good comedy sequel. I haven't watched Twins 
in a long, long time. And I'm also want to I want to correct myself as much as I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is great in that film. Danny DeVito, like always, steals the fucking show. But yeah. throwing Eddie Murphy in there, if it's an Eddie, if it's an Eddie Murphy, that's you know get the fuck out of here. That's as best you're going to get from me from Eddie Murphy. That type of Eddie Murphy, yes. But if it's Eddie Murphy, I've seen, and a lot of stuff apart from Dolomite is my name. Mm. Yeah, the, the Eddie Murphy that's there to pick up the paycheck, the kind of that type of performance, I'm out. But you know, Jones, Cax, Bill, and he is excited for these. I'm going to say Bill is. Bill's always excited about this type of stuff. So I'll th- I'll I'll throw to Jones or Cax. I'll or watch them. To, yeah, you will, you will, and you'll like it. I know you will. Uh, as soon as you know, as soon as your arse sits the sun down in the seat, you'll be. I like this. <laughs> so you'll just hear that. That's it. You know, I I'll definitely watch them. But here, just obviously before we go, I wanted to find out something the other day. About a wee project that uh, Eddie Murphy was working on in 1989. I don't know if you know about this, Jim. The boys know now about it. It was a coming to America pilot that they made, and it's on YouTube if you want to look it up. It's about Prince Akeem's brother. Where did where did he come from? Uh, Prince Akeem's brother uh, has been sent to Queens to study, and um, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, Here's one of the lines from it. So he says, America is the land of opportunity. I can be a Beverly Hills cop. You can be a Beverly Hills cop. Or you can be a Beverly Hills cop too. In 48 hours, we can even be trading places. See what they did there? I'm just going, and the story was by Eddie Murphy. And I can obviously picture why they never... They never went ahead with this, the series part, but um, I, once I heard that line, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Different times. You wouldn't get that now, but uh, I don't know. Look, I, of the two, I, I would just, I would love to see Eddie Murphy going back to that energy of Axel Foley. Yeah. And, and that, and the kind of the performer that you can see where he influenced someone like Chris Rock. Like, in, I think, is the Beverly Hills Cup too? Chris Rock's in, he's really young. Chris Rock that talks about Chris Rock talks about that being the person that he idolized and being able to be on set because yeah. I think I don't know if he was starting if he was already a comedian if he was ready or if he was just really young and just wanted to be involved but you know that's kind of when you see and who's isn't it Chris Tucker when you see like watch you watch Chris Tucker and like Rush Hour and you yeah. kind of go when he's trying to do the Eddie Murphy stick from Axel and you go he's he's doing it he's getting away with it sure. if 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 we see an Eddie Murphy that wants to give that performance, that wants to give energy and is trying to genuinely be funny, I'll be on board with Beverly Hills Cop 4. But if it's this kind of sitting on his arse, looking very, very monotone, kind of what we were talking about, as I said before, with Steve Martin in some of his latter roles, where it just it just wasn't his, ta- his brand of funny for mainstream Hollywood and comedy just wasn't there anymore. His time had had gone, and I don't know. You maybe have to reinvent yourself. I don't know, but I feel I feel in Beverly Hills Cop Four, he's going to be the new captain. Yeah, that's what I was. He's about age. He's going to be the captain, so it's going to bring someone else new in. Probably, it's probably going to be very similar to Coming mm-hmm. to America. Probably There you go. And then at that stage, then what's the fucking point? You know, you just you yeah. just to the inevitability of a fucking boring ass movie like the thing about it is Eddie Murphy has proved 
with Dolomite and with his recent appearance on Saturday Night Live, well, he can fucking st- you're still a funny dude. You can still pull this shit off when you want to. Hey, does that mean Judge Reinhold's coming back? Who knows? Dear God. And Johnny Wishbone. <laughs> well, can I ask you this, right? Just and I will let you go at this point. You know, I think it was Jones you mentioned Eddie Murphy is talking about coming back to do stand up. You yeah. know, we like I mean, okay, I get away the nostalgia. Do you think, you know, say, you know, 2022, Eddie Murphy, I think it's still the three arena. I can know it keeps changing its name. Tickets are on sale. Are you going to see are, would you still have that same kind of bust of gut? gotta go see Eddie Murphy live on stage as a stand-up comedian or do you think maybe it's the kind of case it's like I'm paying for this because of the love I had for in the past rather than wanting to see him as a performer now that's what it is yeah that's well, it we're opening for him so <laughs> fingers crossed as, as, COVID, as soon as COVID so I ain't doing everything I don't care I don't care <laughs> did, if it's shit did any I'll just be see... glad to be out yeah. Did any of us go to see Chris Rock? Wasn't it last year or two years ago? He was in, in he the saw, yeah. He seen him, yeah. Because he yeah. saw he, I mean, he's a performer I'd love to see. The thing like, like, even that tour, Jim, sorry to cut across your mom, was uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't joke, 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 like never scared or things that he's done in the past. It wasn't like that. It was more him talking to the crowd, telling stories, talking about his divorce and what he went through and stuff. And then, now and again, now don't get me wrong, he was funny, but for the most part, it was him. Just addressing the crowd. It was like, a, it was like an audience with Cross yeah. where he was just sitting. He's kind of doing what Chappelle's doing. Chappelle's kind yeah. of very like that yeah, guy, yeah. Because so. when you kind of think, like, I know it was a couple of years, maybe maybe five, Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. was here. I mean, he's someone I'd love to see. And, but Jerry Seinfeld, when he's awesome. on stage, he's not that type of energetic performer. Yeah. He's someone who's literally going out with a microphone and his, his deadpan style and kind of talking. To the audience, mm-hmm. from what I'm only judging by what the two Eddie Murphy stand-up DVDs that you know we've been, I have them in DVD somewhere. You know, he doesn't seem like that. For he again, he's someone that for me, from what I've seen in the past, is built all on energy. And I think mm-hmm. I saw him. Was it a couple of years ago? He's on comedians in cars getting coffee. That's I right. think he was on. And even then, you because know, I think that's where I heard he was talking about going back to stand-up. And I'm going to throw a weird one. It's a to me, it would be a bit like, you know, Billy Connolly. I mean, I love looking back at early Billy Connolly, but the latter Billy Connolly, when he's suddenly, he's going at his youth talking about working on the docks to, I think I remember at one point in one of the latter kind of DVDs that he released, he's talking about making jokes about swimming with sharks. And you're like, well, you know, how can you really, Can are you still that same performer? Can you still relate to your audience? Not every fucker's swam with sharks. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's that same, you know. I swam with dolphins. Did but you? No, I mean, but well, Billy Collie, Billy Collie tells a good story. And it, going back to to Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, when Eddie Murphy was, you watch those shows. Eddie Murphy was a rock star back in those days. Mm-hmm. He was a rock star level of comedian. Well, he's someone that know? modeled himself. He modeled himself on yeah. Richard Pryor, and and he would say like the same way we're talking about Chris Rock looking up to yeah. someone like Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy himself talks about how much he fucking... I, I, there's a whole part of his routine. I can't yeah. remember which of the two DVDs it is or the stand-up tours he does. He just talks about his fucking adoration for Richard Pryor. And when you see Richard Pryor, like, oh, yeah, we look back at time, have changed things, but Richard Pryor as a performer is just Amazing. Elect- electric, the energy. 
But that's what I'm getting at. And in terms of the movies now and all as well, it's going to be a different stand-up. It's like his movies, he's changed. He's got older. That's a young. That's a young guy. He was on mm-hmm. top of the world, and you know, he, he, the confidence levels were up high. Where it's not. I don't think Eddie Murphy's the same. It's it's like when you get older, you do you lose the confidence and stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? He's not got that. Hey, I'm Eddie Murphy. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like again. I use wrestling analogies. It's a bit like Ric Flair when Ric Flair came back in his later years and it took someone like a Triple H to go, yeah. you're Ric Flair? Do you realize you're Ric Flair? It's like he forgot yeah. who he was. I think it's a bit like Eddie Murphy. Because I think Jerry Seinfeld talked about that. Jerry Seinfeld talked about that being the fact that because he kind of went away from stand-up performing for a while and then kind of forced himself back. And it's that kind of sense of kind of going, reminding yourself that you are funny. Yeah. You might have to change your routine and you might have to change kind of your shtick. Jerry Seinfeld hasn't changed it that much, but <laughs> no. you know, and let's not talk about his wife stealing cookbooks. We'll not go down there, but um, you know, he he's still someone. If again, go nothing. If Jerry Seinfeld was to pop up at the Odyssey or the SSE and do a tour, I would go like it's Steve Martin, Martin Short. I know that they might not be cutting edge at the top of comedy, but I was genuinely gutted yeah. last year when that was cancelled. Yeah. And I was kind of going like, I'm really, because I, I think it's on Netflix, their show. And yes, not all of it was comedic gold, but I was ready for that. I was ready. And the fact that you've seen them and you've seen them live. Yeah. That's but a lot of that was built on nostalgia. If I had never seen them before in my life and hadn't been a massive fan of Steve Martin or Martin Short, I would have, and, and you'd show me that Netflix special. I mean, no, you're all right. I'm busy that night. I'm, I'm watching Coming to America. <laughs> but look i don't really know is there anything else kind of just before we wrap things up anything else you know you guys want to say generally about the film about eddie yeah. murphy kind of before we go dolphins have penises by the way just i i'm curious to find out how you find out about that jesus christ dolphins oh, are, dolphins from what i remember from reading somewhere they're a bit rapey as well yeah like a bit of rape yeah, yeah. Oh yes. Have you ever heard them when they make their signs? It's the Cosby sign to make. <laughs> Do you ever see it's kind of it's kind of a cannot. Jesus. Ricky Gervais done a bit about uh dolphins and one of them's fucking the other one, the blowhole. Yeah. You see that? Fucking funny. <laughs> There you go, Jim. That's uh, that's took a fucking turn. <laughs> it's just turned into six cents pod now. You know why? I'm not surprised. You know, I'm just, you know, I, you know. I know that Bill would turn something beautiful. You know, swimming with dolphins with his wife, and I could just imagine Bill just kind of coming up. Uh, you guys, you I guys, see his penis? you guys mentioned rape. You used to mention rape. Wasn't me. I was just stating the fact. Well, hang on, you mentioned the penises first. But I can just imagine you, Bill, at the top of your voice. I can see his penis, like a five-year-old child. I wouldn't say penis. What's what's that? I was I'm from Lisburn. Look at his cock. That's a huge Johnson. <laughs> it's like a rocket lolly. Look at it. <laughs> the boss has got his lipstick out. <laughs> don't, don't. James oh. R. Jones no. lets the clouds. No, we'll never think of Pearl. Get away think of, from the dolphin. 
<laughs> we'll never think about Perot Flipper the same way. I know. <laughs> I want to know what flip means. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I want to know, Bill, before we go, was swimming with dolphins and their penises a beautiful experience? Yeah, I was, I was a young man in Tenerife at the time. It was awesome. Yeah, swimming in the sea. Pissed. Yeah. Pissed it was. Shock. It was awesome. Could have been a dumb. Could have been a plastic bag full of fucking TV balls. I don't know. <laughs> Phil was just stroking a pedlo. <laughs> 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 memory, memory's maybe not as good. <laughs> maybe slightly you know, hazy. Do you know what, Bill? I don't even think you were swimming. I just think you're on a carousel. And that's that a dolphin type of thing. <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> wife, <laughs> wife, take a photo. This is fucking beautiful, this. I can see his cock. That's yours, Bell. It's C-A-C-K. C-A-C-K. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't really know where we go with that. You know, you know, this podcast has took uh, a dolphin-related turn that probably it wasn't has. expected. But it's but still... It's, Jim, you know, Jim, it's almost like we've we done it on porpoise. No. Oh, Cax. Here, Cax. I'm just saying. I've just got a, a message there from Eddie Murphy's agent. See, after that joke, you're definitely not opening for him in three arena. When he's <laughs> oh, come on, he's having a whale of a time. Hey. <laughs> come on, we'd make a great splash. Hey, I, I Jones, you. It's all the pressure on you. You need another pun now. I got one. I got one. Uh, it's going to be Jones's in a band. I know it's going to be. <laughs> Look at his big cack. <laughs> so you're gonna top out, Jim? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna try. My my simple and easiest option is uh so uh yep, yeah, thank you very much, gentlemen from the sixth sense. Uh at this point, you know, just to kind of bring some kind of order. Is this the point where we can kind of give you an opportunity? I know we're in lockdown and with the, you know arts venues are closed, but is there anything now that can give you the opportunity to sell your wares, you know, other than finding you guys in social media at the Sixth Sense? Any online events or anything you've got in the pipeline or anything you maybe don't want to talk too much about now? Well, it's actually funny you should mention it, man. We're kind of uh, kind of leading up to this podcast this week when you this podcast was happening so uh like we're on the verge of fucking splitting up it turned out that uh stevie um we went and married some fucking japanese art chick man and uh that's fucked the whole thing up man, you know you need fucking you need toko alone all right yeah it's just uh i don't know i think we might do our last gig on a roof somewhere and it'll be a bit a loose you know <laughs> just you know on, yeah. on 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 top of like the the, not, I was going to say the Hilton, not the Hilton. That's too posh. Europa. Europa. <laughs> that's that would be beautiful. Clayton, have a couple or something. Holiday Inn. Right. Holiday Inn car park. You know what? You know, I was going to say. You know what? You don't even get to the roof. Just be like, we'll do it in the fucking car park here, lads. You know, remember that? Do you remember all the dolphin gags we've got? Just go with that. Start with the good stuff. <laughs> here they call it. Go strong. Go strong. Go home. Uh, <laughs> hole. Yeah, you know. You know, it's all right. Don't don't you worry, lads. You know, we'll still back you here at Banterflix. We've still got those videos. We love you, know. you Jim. You know, all love the, you. all you. the, all the, all we've got, we've got all the highlights here. You know, the, the ten minutes of dolphin joke. We've got all the stuff from the festival. We're oh, gonna get you. It's all the best. Beautiful. 
you know, maybe get you back next year for the or this year's Dark Edges to do more comedy stuff. You know, bring the dolphin stuff in. You know, that's what I want to say. Well, give the people. We are the... actually we are actually filming stuff at the minute. Maybe we shouldn't admit to that, seeing as the the cops might come and get us. No, that's all right. If, <laughs> you know, if you're not, if you're not, we're COVID safe. If you're not, if you're not supporting, if somebody coughs. If you're no, not out, if you're not out on the street that. roaring and shouting about Rangers, you know, winning the league, you know, you know, you'll be all right. No one's looking yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. It's all good. We are filming, but it's not comedy stuff. It's just personal videos. But that's another story for another yeah. day. Yeah, Watch man. Pornhub. Yeah, just right. in <laughs> bushes. Time times are hard. Times are hard, gentlemen. Indeed, we, we can. Yeah, we can already see that. You know, Jones is sitting there. He's trying to. He's the one that's trying to hurt himself out to get some money for you this evening. You know, he's he's got the red the red light on. And I hate to say we've been talking for over an hour now, and I haven't heard one knock on the window at all. No. We can wait. I'm doing a podcast, so we can wait. That's right. You There's a key around the block, Jim. There's a key around the block. I believe yeah, you, yeah, thousands. And that glory hole opens at eleven o'clock. <laughs> Lads, it's not pre-mark, right? There's no fucking queue around the corner, right? It's Jones. <laughs> if you had said pre-mark opening, maybe I'd believe you, but no. Let's let's not go there. So look, we'll we'll bring this podcast to a close. In these lockdown times, I have enjoyed myself thoroughly. I would love to have said I enjoyed the film we were originally remember that a long time ago talking about coming to America. I would love to have enjoyed the film as much as I've enjoyed myself this evening. As always, always have a laugh. When I get you guys on, uh, but it'll probably be a year before we'll have you on again. That's you know, yeah, that's fair. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I don't know if absence if there's enough absence kind of <laughs> going on there, but we're not there. So anyway, so thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Cax. Thank you, Jones. Thank you, Bill. We'll be back with another podcast pretty soon. But for now, until then, goodbye. This has been We Need to Talk About Movies. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit banterflix.com. See you next time.